Jesus warned us about a lukewarm Christianity, and it seems to be that something he did not like in his estimation, it was something he was warning us again. And if this is a warning, and it's something that we're supposed to flee from, that we're supposed to repent of, then we need to ask these questions. What is lukewarm Christianity, and what are its consequences? And that's coming at you straight ahead. Well, welcome to God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the devil, and the world. We're glad to have you here this morning, and we're going to be dealing with what lukewarm Christianity is and what are the results of lukewarm Christianity. And so to begin doing that, we're going to start in Revelation chapter 3, and we're going to be looking at verses 14 through to the end. It reads, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou art cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And knowest not thou that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear... Let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. So here we have a, this is a letter, this is the heart of Jesus to churches that were actually existing in that time. And he deals with some issues. He speaks specifically about he knows their works. And then he talks about things being hot or cold, which leads me to go back to the heart condition at first. He says, you're neither hot nor are you cold. Now, there's a lot of that that's going on in our present day where people's hearts are neither hot nor cold. Their desire is quite neutral. They don't seem to have a fervent desire to serve God. They're just more of this kind of milk toast attitude, no real passion, but they're kind of afraid to walk away. Um, so they kind of just say they're a Christian, and yet they don't really make a dent one way or the other. Uh, then we, if we were to look at the word heart throughout the King James translation, I'm saying it that way because that's what I had searched through. In the King James translation, 833 times the word heart is used. Now it's used about God, uh, God's heart. It talks about God's heart being grieved. God is, uh, his heart is he's hearing, you know, he's, he's listening to his people. Um, and so we find that it's talking about God, but it talks about our heart and it talks about our heart, people's hearts an awful lot. It says our heart, according to the Bible, is portrayed as the command station of the soul. So if the heart, in the heart rather, lies the motive for all that we do. In the heart is the inspiration for doing things in general, kind of just, it's what we need to get up and get going. The Proverbs tells us that out of the heart is the desires of life, and we're to keep the heart with all diligence. So the heart is a very important thing in the Christian life. If we don't watch over the heart, then we're liable to be directed in ways that are destructive to us, destructive to others, and ultimately end up going in a, in a way that we were not intending. And so we need to guard our hearts. 
The thing is, we need to also guard against a pietistic kind of an understanding, which is you're so concerned about all the frames of mind and so many different things that you're thinking of. Uh, how do I feel? Am I really that earnest? Am I all that kind of thing that goes through the mind and our emotions? And are we part of this religious fervor or not? We need to guard against going way off in the deep end of emotionalism, but we also need to guard against going to the other side, reactionary, into rationalism. True religion does start in the heart, but it also results in works, hence Jesus speaking about him knowing people's works. And so then we go to that. What are works according to Jesus? Well, works, and it's not just Jesus, it's the entire Bible context, works are the way that you live your life. And so here, it's like a careless living. People aren't really concerned about what they're doing. They're not really concerned about you know, where to go from here. Uh, they just kind of want to have the badge of Jesus Christ upon them. And it doesn't have really large implications to their life and where they're living and what they're doing or what they're not doing. And so their works end up being uh, resulting in a careless living. That's that's how we see their works. That's what a lukewarm Christian is, very careless in their living. They don't care about things about biblical modesty, about entertainment. They don't care about making Christ be everything in all of their life. So. Another thing is, if if you really are a Christian, do you tell others about Jesus? When's the last time you've done that? How do you act as a husband? How do you act as a wife? How do you act as a son? How do you act as a daughter? How about a brother, a sister? Or how about as an employer or an employee when you go to work? How do you act there? How do you act in all the stations of life? Do you act in a way that becomes godliness? That's what we want to know. And so we need to be very careful about our works because our works reflect the condition of the heart. We have people that in our day are so afraid of works that they basically continue to be ashamed to Christ in his cause. They say, oh, salvation is not of works, it's of grace. And, and you say grace, so you're a legalist, you're a Pharisee. However, there's no dichotomy so strictly set forth as we have in our particular day. What we need to realize is that if we have the true biblical faith of Jesus Christ, our works do show that. And then that leads us to believe that if our works do not show that, we don't have the true biblical faith of Jesus Christ. It's really that simple. And Jesus said he knew these people by their works. So does what are your works? Does he know you as a lukewarm Christian or does he know you as a blazing hot Christian devoted to God and it, and it goes out into every tenor of your life? Um, arguments that I've come up in one of my videos, uh, people had accused uh, me of being a Pharisee for simply stressing the necessity of obedience, which is a normal Christian life. Jesus judged and judges us by our works, even according to this passage. And it was by works that Jesus told the church at Laodicea that they were lukewarm. So works are very important. The gospel can, however, if we're not careful, degenerate into a mere social reform. So uh, a lot of churches do things like church suppers, okay? Church suppers to try and get people in from the community or church suppers for the homeless, giving clothes, having a food pantry, uh, you know, giving out diapers to, you know, single mothers and stuff, community projects and social things around them. And if the gospel is buried, however, underneath all of these supposed good works, 
then uh, our, we're lukewarm just the same. If, if we're not bearing gospel fruit, if we're not telling people what the gospel is, if we're not leading them to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ, then these are just dead works. They're, they're doing nothing. So that's why I say lukewarm Christianity begins in the heart, but results in works. And we cannot have heart without works, nor can we have works without heart. It's both. And that's why Jesus spoke about the temperature issue of the heart and then the result of that in our works. You know, in my, my heart is I long for a genuine expression of the church of the living God. I want to see that in reality. I want to see people that love Jesus with all their hearts, and then they bring everything in their life in, into captivity, into obedience to Christ, not just their thoughts, but everything that they do. They love God. They really want to be his disciples. And that's what I would hope to have. And I, I really, quite frankly, am sick to death uh, of having to be busy with work that brings no gospel return. And I'm not saying that I think at this point, the Lord has helped me that I'm not busying myself with those things that, you know, bring no gospel return. But that's what we see everywhere. It's just this blazing mass of activity. And yet there seems to be such a low spiritual climate amongst people. So what's the consequence then? of lukewarm Christianity. Well, lukewarm Christianity displeases God. And also, people that are lukewarm are under self-deception. Jesus spoke about people thinking that they're rich and they're increased with goods. You know, they say, God's blessing is on my life, and you got the likes of Joel Olstein and prosperity gospel people. It's rubbish as far as the gospel's concerned. And, you, you know, we think we have need of nothing. And inside of these kind of things, we have two different camps. We have the formalism kind of camp and we have the informal camp. Now, the formalism camp, they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power of that godliness. They have a religion with no life. It's mere intellectualism. Theology, in turn, becomes your God. And it's not a means, theology is not a means to know God um, and show him, but theology ends up being this badge of honor. It's a, it's a pride of life. And there's really a void of true character and heart culture in those that are more along that formalism kind of a camp. And really with the formalistic kind of people, they seem to have degenerated the gospel into just a mere code of ethics and a philosophy. This is why heart and works go together. So you got the formalistic camp, and then you've got the informal camp. These people are kind of like the program-based church. Um, they they don't want to have just this dead liturgy. They don't want to have it just be a code of ethics. So they, they want to make it seem like it's normal, like it's real life, okay? So they have a program-based things. They got ice cream socials. They've got movie nights for the kids. And then this is painting with a broad brush, but I'm not saying that fellowship in and of itself is wrong, but they're they're leaving off the 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 sting of the gospel into the lives of the people that they think they're trying to reach. Every function of the church then is reduced to a program or an event that's taking place, some kind of special event. But what about the frank, simple spread of the gospel? Instead of trying to come in the back door and kind of trick people into believing into Jesus, what about coming straightly to them about the Lord Jesus and about his claims on our life, about his shed blood and our his purchased possessions of him? But you know, a lot of people just try to shun the cross because it's uncomfortable to bear it. So you've got the formalistic side, but you have the more um, informal side. Either way, we're in a ditch on both sides. 
And with that for, um, informal side, we often find people with no spine. They like to win the world by becoming winsome and they don't want to offend anybody. And we don't need to be offensive in our attitude, but the gospel is going to offend. And they're over careful about nuance and stuff. And emotionalism ends up becoming a huge thing. Everything's about high energy and the atmosphere atmosphere and how do you feel and frames of mind with almost the complete abandonment of the importance of reason and thinking. We can't be that way. And then there's other people that kind of uh, crop out of this whole thing as purists. Uh, they turn into heresy hunters and, you know, they're just much like the Ephesian church in Revelation. They've left their first love. They, their whole ministry is based off of cutting everyone else down. Heresy, heresy, heresy. Now, it's one thing for us to disagree with what somebody's teaching, but to call everyone a heretic, you've gone way farther than you need to. And in both camps, there's no vital prayer life. They kind of more recite or say prayers or maybe five minutes a day uh, of prayer, if even that. Uh, they make excuse for their sins. They're full of the world and the world has got them. They're Christian in name only. They're social justice warriors bowing to the woke instead of just standing on the Bible. And we care more about the pursuits and comforts of our earthly lives than we do about God's kingdom. And then ultimately what happens is all of this just becomes institutionalized, whether it's from the informal or formal group, it's institutionalized. And then we lose the reason for why we exist in the first place. That goes for the institutions. Oftentimes institutions cropped up because they saw a real need and they were trying to fulfill it, but then go a couple generations from there and we've lost our moorings. We don't even know why we exist as an institution. The mission is almost dead and the institution exists solely for itself. So the reality, according to Jesus, is that People that are lukewarm, its result is that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, naked, and Christ will spew you out of his mouth. And this spewing out of the mouth is a very serious matter. Spewing out of the mouth speaks of an eternal judgment, casting us off, not even wanting to savor us one bit because we've grown cold, because we're lukewarm. So, we're talking about what is lukewarm Christianity. Well, it has to do with works. It has to do with the heart, and the heart is the center of those things. But then it also has to do with what does this really look like? And then the consequences of it are so damning and dangerous, not only to ourselves as people, to the church as a whole, and then to the world around us because our light has been snuffed out. Where do you stand in this? Are you lukewarm? If you are lukewarm, what will you do about it? Will you continue to stay in that way or will you repent and turn to Jesus Christ? And I hope that's where you will be, dear listener. I hope that in listening to this, you won't just be completely condemned and think that there's no hope for there is hope to repent and turn to, turn to Jesus. Now join the resistance, God's resistance. Your next step is to call 570-362-7782 or email gods.resistance at gmail.com. We're out in the Wilkesbury Public Square every Wednesday at 5 p.m. and every Sunday at 4.30 p.m. until the cold weather chases us out. But if you want to meet with us, we are meeting in a home right now on Sunday morning, and we would love to have you contact us. Thank you.